Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. We've got a problem here. That was the fastest, like, greeting. Like, so next week, like, you know how we do, right? Like, you cross the aisles, take your time. Like, there's no rush. We're not in a big hurry. So if you, you know, if you don't quite get it, so this is not greeting. Like, and if you're like, I don't really want to talk to me, we understand that too, just sit down. But some of you are like, oh, okay, I'm just supposed to shake people's hands. Like, nobody likes that. Especially when everybody's sick and everything. So don't even do that. It's like, hey, what's up? Hug, cross the aisles. And if you're sick, go, oh, sorry, I'm sick, but I love you. But like, enjoy yourselves next time. You're going to need Bibles. Um, We're going to be in John chapter 1. And you're really excited today. Yeah, you are, because we're talking about evangelism. Woo! Yeah, tons of you guys got really pumped up right now, didn't you? You're like, oh, that's right, evangelism. That's when we go door to door and start telling people about Jesus and pass out pieces of paper and... Go to people that were really close with and make them feel really uncomfortable. Yeah! Yeah. Here's the thing. That's not what evangelism is. But when we hear that word, and some of you, since, you know, for a lot of you guys, this, well, most of us, this church thing is all new, um, you don't even know what that word means. And if you knew what it means, you'd know it doesn't mean what we do. Because evangelism, it comes from, um, it's, it comes from a, a mixture of words that were thrown together. But it means good news, and to so evangelize is to share that good news. It means, and we'll get to that, but it's not what you think it is. But a lot of people don't want to tell other people about Christ, about your own faith because of, well, things like this. Well, I'm not good at it. So you think there's these magical people, and there are some, by the way. I think, I think it's a, if you were to test everyone here and their spiritual gifts, for those that follow Christ, there are probably like 5% of you that have that gift, like the weird ones that can just walk up to people, hey, how you doing, Abner? Yeah, it's good to meet you. Hey, uh, oh, wait, really? Uh, and next thing you know, they're leading them to Christ, and you're like, wait, how did that happen? Like, and that person wasn't even weirded out. And so then when you hear that word evangelism, you think you're supposed to go do what they did, but please don't do that, because that's not your gifting. But that's not what evangelism means. Some of you will say, you know, I'm embarrassed to try, because what if I mess it up? Like, what if I lead them in the wrong direction? Or one of the things that people will say a lot is, I just don't know enough yet. Once I know enough, then I can do that. Um, that's not true either. Um, and this is the big one. I don't feel like I'm a perfect enough Christian. What does that have to do with it? We're not talking about you. We're talking about Christ. Um, and then this is one that I've personally felt is, what if I share and they reject me? But here's the deal, what we're talking about, and remember we're going through this series, The Good and Beautiful Community, which means we're talking about what is the church supposed to be. We looked at The Good and Beautiful God, we did a series on that, then we did um, The Good and Beautiful Life, what does it look like to follow Jesus, and now we're talking about The Good and Beautiful Community. What does this look like for us to do this together? And the common theme you're going to hear through this entire series is loving your neighbor. So we can call it The Good and Beautiful Community, because it just sounds different, but we could rename it and call it Love Your Neighbor. And so when we talk this morning about sharing our faith, we do that because we love our neighbor. And this is nothing new. But I want to give you a phrase, and I completely stole it because it's good. So Nate, you have permission to steal this phrase because it's not mine. So I stole it from someone else, so I'm sure you stole it from someone else. So it's all yours. Here's the phrase. 
For us here at Branches, and you've heard me say this before, invest and invite. That's what evangelism looks like for us. Invest and invite. Probably wondering what that means. You already know what that means. It means the people you're already invested in, the people you're already close with, the people that you, you, you trust them and they trust you, you invite them to some kind of intersection of faith. That doesn't mean you come up to them and go, hi, I've invested in you. I'd like to invite you to accept Christ. No. That's another thing, by the way. Do you know anywhere in the Bible where it says accept Christ? What do you mean accept him? He didn't ask you to accept him. He asked you to follow him. That's a pretty big deal. You don't hand out a piece of paper to say, hey, by the way, if you want to give your whole life, change everything, follow Jesus right here on that piece of paper. There it is. That's not going to do it. Because that comes from what, who you trust. We do this all the time. We just don't realize that we're investing and inviting. For example, I do this all the time in my life. I'll think of something that I love that is great, and I want to share it with people. For example, goddess dressing at Trader Joe's. Anyone here know what I'm talking about? Lindsay knows because she lives in her house. And so does Sarah because she knows Lindsay. If you don't know what goddess dressing is, you need to figure it out because it's amazing. If my wife puts it in salad, we get the chicken from Trader Joe's as well. Josh still works there. Duck Dynasty right here. He can show you everything about it. But you get the little chicken that they have there. Then you get the goddess dressing, lettuce, and then you throw in these uh, cheese. I think it might be sliced Parmesan. I'm not sure. But it's in there. It's amazing. And once people have it, they're all excited. You know who I share that with? I don't just walk up to people, hey, yeah, I got a stressing, hey, no. But there's people that are close with me, and I'm around them, and we're talking about food, and I'll bring it up because it's natural. I'm invested in them. I care about them. Um, I was listening to, I'm going to go through a list of things that just came to my mind one time when I was sitting down. I'm like, when do, when do I do that? And I was sitting down, and I was, I was going to text over to Tyler Payne. We ended up talking on the phone. Because I was listening to Spotify, and I, Spotify radio, and I chose this one band that I liked, and then it led me to this other one, and every time I heard it, I was like, whoa, what's up? What is up? And then I went to his page, and I started listening to his music, and I had to tell Tyler about Citizen Cope. I'm guessing nobody here pretty much knows about Citizen Cope. Anyone? Does that mean I'm hip, that I know who Citizen Cope is? <laughs> but I wanted to tell Tyler I wanted to tell Tyler because he's a friend of mine, and I, and I know how eclectic he is with his music, and this was kind of a mixture of music that he might like, and I wanted to share that with him because we have an invested friendship, and I wanted to invite him into something I thought was good. It wasn't weird. Um, our, our heater broke. Heater gone, toasted. So I went on Facebook, and I said, okay. Who do you know that can fix heaters that you trust? And I got some great stuff. People that were invested in me, that were friends with me. Of course, you get the random people you don't really know, and they just kind of, hey, you should do this. My neighbor's great. But you don't know them. But for the most part, it's people that, you, that know you and care about you. Hey, call this person. I trust them. You can depend on them. They did this. They came in one time. They did something. And they said, oh, I don't even need to charge you. That was nothing. I don't need to fix that. And then I also got warned. Because if you love someone, you also warn them. And I got warned, hey, don't go with these people. I had them come in. When someone else came behind them, they told me that they lied. And I figured out how they were lying to me. Invest and invite, right? Like, we do this all the time. This is not new. This whole parenting conference that we've been trying to tell you to go to. That came from my experience going up to Forest Home. We went up to Forest Home for a family camp. And it was so helpful for me with my kids. It was so helpful for me not to feel like such a failure as a parent. Realizing when I was there that all the other parents that were veterans said, 
oh, no, don't worry. You're going to mess this up. This is the kind of things you do, though, to let your kids know that you love them. But, yeah, you can't do this right. Go get them. We want to share that. You guys didn't seem really fired up on that encouragement right there. It's encouraging, trust me. It'll be better when they do it, not when I do it. But we, I, so I called them and I said, look, man, I want you to come down and do that conference. We'll get seven other churches involved. Can you do what you did up there? Because it was so helpful for me. I want it for my friends. I want it for the people at our church. I want it for the other believers. And I've been telling individuals that I'm close with, man, you really need to go to this. Why do we do that? Because we're invested and we want to invite them into something good. So when we talk about sharing our faith, that's all we're talking about here is sharing something that you already believe in. But that's the big thing, isn't it? You see, you can't invest and invite into something that you don't believe. And so we're not asking you, we're not calling you out to this, but if you have faith, as Paul said in Philippians, if there's any encouragement, then be like-minded, united in purpose. United together, intent on one purpose, which is what? Sharing this good news. Like, this is good news. But it's the kind of news that you just don't know how to describe it. It's, it's so good that you have a hard time putting it into words. But we're going to try to put it into words right now. What we're going to do right now, open up your Bibles, please, to John chapter 1. And we are going to look... And we're, we're going to look at one section, we'll bounce around a different place, but I want to show how this comes up time and time and time again. This is not something new. This is not, um, this is not only one place in the Word of God, because this idea of investing and inviting, that's the way it's always been. So the way we're going to do this is, um, I decided not to put all the Scripture up here, because then what happens is you just don't open a Bible. And it's so good to open up the Bible and read it for yourself. So for that reason, we're only going to have little snippets up here. And I'm going to be telling you the story more than reading it. So there was John the Baptist. We're here in John 1, 35. So first chapter, book of John, 135. If you've got one of these Bibles that we have, it's page 1006. It's a really big book, isn't it? 1,006 pages. And we're not even at the end. How many pages is this whole one? 1,208. So if anybody asks you how big is the Bible, 1,208 pages. You got the answer. You're really smart. John 135 starts here. It says, John the Baptist. Remember, he's Jesus' cousin. And he's the one that everybody's coming out to because he's baptizing people and he's out in the wilderness. And people know that John is a man of God. They know it by his actions. By they, You just know. You know when someone is of God. You know when there's something different about them. That doesn't mean John was perfect. John, in fact, was a weirdo. We know by the way he dressed and the other stuff that he was a little bit different. That's why he was out in the wilderness. But people are coming to him and he had disciples he had students he had people that were striving to learn from him and be like him and two of them were next to him and all of a sudden jesus walks by and this is what he says he says look it's the lamb of god now to us that doesn't mean much to you but lamb is sacrificial and he says this is the one that god has sent to be the sacrifice for all that's what he means when he says there's the lamb of god when the two disciples heard him say this they went and followed Jesus. Now think about that. John has his crew, right? He's got his, his people. He's got his team, his club. And he's taking people from his club and going, right there. It's the goddess dressing thing all over again, isn't it? He's there with people he's invested in. They trust him. And he says, look, that's the Lamb of God right there. 
Now, I'm sure he said more. I'm sure he wasn't very stoic and went, Lamb of God. I mean, I'm sure there was more to it, but, you know, for historical purposes, this is what we have shared. And so for that reason, they left. They, they go, oh, okay, and they start following this Jesus. They start walking to him. And so Jesus turns around and looks at him and says, what do you want? Because obviously they want something. They're following him around. And so then they ask this question, where are you staying? Basically, can we come to dinner? They're inviting themselves over to his house. That's kind of what they're doing. But obviously, there's more underneath it than that. It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and Jesus says this. He says, come, and you will see. Come, and you will see is another way to say, invest and invite. See, he doesn't know them, but they've approached him. John has referred them on. Said, That's the guy. And they come to him, and he can't just, like, he didn't start busting it out then. He didn't go, hey, guys, I'm glad you're here. I'm the Messiah. Let's go through the scriptures. I'm going to explain it all to you. Because that, it's just too much. Like, he can't kind of absorb it all. Come and see. This is more than you can handle in one conversation. So you know what you really want to know? Come. Come and see. And so they go to his house. Oh, not his house, but the place he was staying. And they stay the night. And then Andrew was one of those two. So Andrew is Peter's brother. Simon, he's Simon at this point. So Andrew is with Jesus. He's one of those two. He ends up being one of the disciples. He comes and he runs to Peter. Why does he go to Peter? Well, let's call him Simon because that's what his name is at this point. Because he's invested in him. That's his brother. Now, I'm sure growing up they had their issues where he wouldn't give him the controller when he asked for it. And he ate the last piece of pizza and he took all the Halloween candy or something where they were fighting, but they're brothers. I don't know if you have a brother, but when you have a brother, there's a bond. Even if you don't, you're nothing alike. There's a bond. Brothers, sisters, sisters to sisters. I've seen that bond. I don't quite understand that one for obvious reasons because I'm not there. But there's a special bond there too. And here we have Andrew. And who does he go to? It says the first person that we know of him going to is his brother, to Simon. I think we found the Messiah. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine your brother or your sister coming to you? Hey, I think I found the answer. The Messiah. For them, they've been waiting for the Messiah. Can you imagine them going, are you serious? Of course, they're brothers. So, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you always do this, Andy. You're ridiculous, man. Like, you can imagine a little. But he goes. Why does he go? Because he trusts Andrew. Or as he would probably refer to him, Andy. And so they go. And they go, and then he takes them to come and see, because you can't explain that, can you? Like, for example, I have people trying to explain to me this movie, Gravity. That's just not a movie that appeals to me. But I hear people going, oh, my gosh, life-changing. And then you ask the question, what kind of movie is it like? I, well, it's like they're in space, and then this. Oh, wait, are they in space the whole time? Yeah, I'm going, how boring does that sound? No, 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 you don't understand. Just go see it. Right? There's certain things that you just can't categorize, because they don't fit in a category. So when Andrew is coming to Peter and trying to describe this to someone he's very invested in, he can't just lay it all out. He doesn't give him a dialogue or a monologue. He just says, just, just come and see. Come on, man. Come. So Jesus moves on, and he runs into Philip. And it says down here in verse 44 that Philip was like Andrew and Peter because they were from the same city. So Philip found Nathaniel, one of his friends, and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, 
Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And this is what Nathanael says. Nazareth, for real, can anything good come from Nazareth? Well, he's credulous. He knows the people that come from Nazareth. But here, here's another thing. The other thing is, is that you have to understand that when it comes to Nazareth, that's not where the Messiah was supposed to come from. He was supposed to come from Bethlehem, right? But see, he knows that Jesus is in Nazareth. He doesn't know that he was born in Bethlehem. He just knows he's in Nazareth now. So actually, Nathaniel's asking a very good question, too. Not only do I not like the people from Nazareth, but the Messiah is not supposed to be from Nazareth. He brings up a good point. And so, Philip, as the master debater, the one who has all the answers, basically says this. When he's asked the question, hey, can anything good come from Nazareth? How could this be the guy? I don't know. But just come and see. He doesn't have the answer to that question. And he's not trying to pretend. You know how someone might ask you a question about your faith? Well, what about this? What about that? And you feel like you have the answer? You don't have to have the answer. In fact, when you grow in your faith, you're going to get to the point where you get more and more answers, but you're going to get to the point where you realize there's less and less you really know. So you don't have to lead people to details and all this evidence, although it's all there. You can just say, you know what? Here, just come and see. And you know what? Let's go do this together. Because Philip says, come and see. And in that word come, it's basically saying, let us go. Let us go and see together. See, because we miss that in English language. Come and see. Now, when Jesus is talking to those two, he says, come and see. He's saying, y'all come and see. We do this all the time with the words in the Bible because we don't have that in English language, the plural. So when he says, come and see, it's really one word, and it's saying, y'all come. Erkomai, come on. And that's what it is about faith. We do this together. That's the way it's designed to be. It happens extremely rare that someone will come in, hear me sharing the word of God, and go, oh my gosh, yes, and start following Christ. You hear about those stories about Billy Graham or this or that, but the reality is, is that when people grow in their faith, it's because there was someone that was walking with them. There was someone that was invested in them. They looked into their life, they heard something, and they were invited, and they knew that that person genuinely cared about them. Even if they argued and debated the entire time, they knew there was an honesty and a sincerity and a transparency with that friend. Sometimes it's a parent. But even when you hear it from your parent, you usually have to hear it from someone outside. This word come and see, especially the word come, it's like you come and you come together. Because when you come and investigate this, you need to do it together. I mean, when Philip comes and then he goes to Nathaniel, hey, let us go see. I don't have the answer to that one. You're right. Nazareth, Bethlehem, let's go. Let's go together on this one. There's a pattern here all through Scripture. This happens over and over again. You see Jesus. He's walking by. Zacchaeus is up in the tree. Zacchaeus, hey, come down. I'm going to go to your house. Then he goes to his house. Zacchaeus hears all this, and he's face-to-face with Jesus. And what does he do? He goes and invites all of his friends. All of his friends that he's invested in, he invites them to an environment, a space that fits for them. And I want you to hear what I'm saying this morning. When we talk about invest and invite, That doesn't necessarily mean you need to bring them here on a Sunday morning. Because I remember when I had questions about faith, and my friends invited me to church, I laughed at them. I'm like, are you for real? I'm not going to that weird place. And the time that I actually did get tricked into going, and I went, I didn't go back for years after that because I was so weirded out. 
And the people there were weirding me out. When we talk about investing and inviting, we are inviting them to Christ. But we need to find the space and the environment that fits for that to happen. If that space and that environment does not exist here at Branch, whether it be on Sunday mornings, whether it be in a home group, whether it be um, on a fishing trip or a men's retreat or a women's retreat or whatever else it is, if there's a space that does not exist for the friends that you have, then you need to create it. If you're visiting from another church and you're here and you're like, well, I, I want to invite my friends up, but I can't take them there, then you need to create the space. Don't complain that your church doesn't have it or that this church doesn't have it. It's your job to create that space. It's your job to say, you know what? I can't do that. I, if I invite them, okay, so what am I going to do? All right, I will create a fight night. I just made that up. I looked back, I saw someone with a fighting shirt, and I thought, there you go. So you have a boxing night. You rent the movie thing, you invite over the people from your home group and from people from church and other people, and just have them be around. Invite them to interact with other believers. I heard about this one home group where they go out, and they'll invite friends, and they don't trick them. They don't do anything weird. They don't go, oh, now that you're here, let us lay this on you. But they, they have their friends that they invite, and their friends will say, oh, is that your church friends? Just come. We're going to go out. We're going to get beer and wings. Come on. Stop your whining. Come on. All right, whatever. And they're all like, you know, because they're nervous. They're uncomfortable. And then they go out, and they're with them, and they're having fun, and they're like, wow, you guys aren't so weird. And then they can start listening, and then it just opens up. That doesn't mean they start, oh, now, now that we're leaving, it's time to go, let's talk about Jesus. No, they don't trick them. They don't underhand. But this is natural stuff, right? I don't go around talking about goddess dressing to everybody I run into. It just comes up in the flow of life. Oh, really? Why are you doing that? Oh, because, well, so I was with my wife, and we were praying about, what? They won't say that, but they're in their mind going, what? Really? You pray? You seem like a normal guy. You pray? Wait you, wait, you sold your house because you felt like God told you to? So Whoa. You're going where? You're going to Cambodia? Why in the world? You're going to teach them how to sew. Really? In fact, why don't you do that? Why don't you invite them to one of the service projects that we do? You can call it that. That's what it is, right? We're serving. Invite them on a trip locally or globally where we're going and serving the poor. Get their hands dirty. See them around other believers giving their life away. This is not new stuff. This is not crazy talk. This is, this is what we do. I want to put something up here on the screen. I kind of typed this up. It's, uh, I think it's the last slide. This slide right here, invest and invite. This is kind of, to sum it up, what we're talking about here at Branch. Invest and invite is a personal effort. It's a personal decision you make. It means genuinely caring for those we're personally invested in. You don't need to go find new people the people you're already close with, and you know they're outside the church, and being bold enough to risk the relationship by inviting them into an environment within our community of faith or our church. Either it already exists, or you need to create it. Wow, that's really whited out over there. It takes energy and effort to build and invest in a relationship. It takes equal compassion and courage to share the most important thing you have to offer, a new life in Christ. Now, I can keep talking about this, and we can keep going through the scriptures, and I want to, and I've got a lot more to share with you, but I have a wireless mic. Now, I'm warning you right now, I am not 
I, I'm going to be walking up to random one people of you right now, but if you visited, don't worry, you're clear. Okay, I'm not going to randomly walk up to someone visiting or that I don't know and ask you to answer this question. But when we talk about invest and invite, someone invested and invited in you. I know this is the way it works. I'm so confident that I have not prepped anybody in here. So all of you have the same lump in your throat because I'm so confident this is how it works in the kingdom of God. This is how it works in the world. And so for you to have a faith, someone had to reach out and draw you in. They probably didn't reach out to you and grab you, but something in their life. Either you approached them or they invited you to something and your faith grew from there, okay? Might be your parents. Although your parents might have invested and invited you first, maybe someone came after. So I'm not telling you what to say ahead of time. And again, I say I've not prepped anyone ahead of time. The people in the front row always get toasted, so I'm going to go to the back first. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to stand up. Jody, you didn't think I was really going to do it, did you? <laughs> okay, so we're going to start with Jesse. And all you have to do, you don't even have to give details, but if there's someone, if, if it didn't happen, if there's no one invested invited in you, then you're not too late. This is, I'll say his name, this is Jesse. So now you know, you better all be prepped. Because when I come to you, you have to have it ready to go. You remember back to me. Um, you know, a lot of people in my life, really, I, I think that I've, I have a pretty good group of friends and people that we all stick close and that we all really kind of, I mean, really have a, a pretty deep trust and, and, and faith and that we step and oh, man, that's that's okay. Yeah, I, I I know, so yeah, I shocked you. So now you all got a shot. No, not you. Not you. Can you say your name, please? Um, I'm Jamie. I, I guess this is my first time here in a long time. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, I just want everyone to see Jamie's back. She moved back into town. Here's Jamie. Yeah. Um, my neighbors growing up used to invite me to church, and they'd buy me ice cream afterwards. And those seeds that they planted... Um, like, they were there until I was 21 when I finally accepted God. And so those things that they did when I was a kid, um, even though it didn't really influence me until later on, they were built in there, and God kept cultivating them. Okay. Yeah, Nate, I know you're visiting and all, but come on. Um, whoa, that's loud. Uh, I would say uh, I grew up in church, but say the one that invested in me the most was uh, a guy named John Eshelman, and he just invited me to, to go surf. And so we surfed and hung out and uh, really created space just to challenge me and uh, really started just through our relationship of surfing and just hanging out. Um, he really earned the right to be heard, and so we just created a good good friendship, and then he just started asking me questions about Jesus that I really didn't know, and so that encouraged me just to open up my Bible and start reading it, and so that's who invested me, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where, where I am today with it, without him, so. You don't have to. Um, I, I guess I, I kind of grew up going to church, but never um, wanted a relationship with Jesus for myself until I met Sean, my husband, and he led me to Jesus and just kind of um, 
I don't know, gave me a new perspective. I didn't have to change anything about myself or my life. I just had to follow Jesus, and um, my life has never been the same ever since. See, Sean didn't realize when he was sharing his life and his faith that he'd also find his wife. So he can work out in other ways, too. I was invited to uh, to go to church. I, I was in a really dark place. I was actually at rehab, and uh, it was just like an opportunity to leave rehab. So <laughs> um, I went, and they said, you know, it's just a bunch of knuckleheads kind of sitting around, and you don't have to believe in anything. Um, just come and hang out. And so I went, and I didn't like it. Um, but. Uh, I don't know, I kept going back because the community, like we were talking about, there's just really something special. And eventually I came to find Christ. So. Um, <coughs> I didn't grow up in church, and uh, I had some buddies in high school who invited me to Young Life Club, and uh, that's uh, I was kind of weirded out when I first went there and then just kept on coming back. I think originally because there was a girl there that I liked. And then um, <laughs> then I invited a girl that I liked, and <laughs> she came with me, and that's kind of how that all happened. And you married her. There's a pattern here. I didn't see that pattern happening. Okay, I could go around and around and around and hit more people. So the rest of you that are exhausted because you think I'm going to come to you, you're set free. And those of you that I cornered, thank you. I know you didn't want to do it, and I know that, that you're going to say something to me later, but I will gladly go through that so that we can see that this is the way it works. This is the way people come to faith. They come to faith because of people being invested in their lives and inviting them. It's the way it works. And the beauty of this is, is that you just don't know where God is going to take us after that. Let's go back to the slide right before this, please, and we'll close with this, Lou. So Nathaniel, he comes to Jesus. And Jesus looks at him, says, Nathaniel, you're a man with no deceit. Okay, Jesus doesn't know this guy. But Nathaniel, when he hears it, he goes, you don't know me. He goes, I saw you under that tree, saw you over there. Whoa. And this is how Nathaniel responds. After he hears that Jesus says, hey, you're this type of guy, and I saw you under a tree, he goes, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Okay, obviously, I don't know why he saw him on the tree or how he saw him or what happened that Nathaniel knew, but there was some kind of inside thing going on with Jesus and Nathaniel. Something was going on in Nathaniel's life underneath that tree. Something significant, something that only Nathaniel and God himself would know. And so when Nathaniel is brought by Philip, hey, come and see. I know he's not supposed to be Nazareth and you don't like Nazarenes, but here, let's go check this. Just let's go see for ourselves. Let's go together. Let's go do this together. And when they come together, then Jesus and Nathaniel have this conversation. And it ends with Nathaniel saying, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. That's a pretty big jump. But then Jesus puts it all in perspective when he says this. He says, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than but I want to just highlight you will see, because I want you to see that, that when you make a decision to follow Christ, when someone is invested and invited into your life and invites you into an 
an intersection where God is. Once you make that decision to follow Jesus, it's not like, oh, great, everything's good. No, you're going to see more and more come out. More is going to happen than you could ever imagine. I had a friend um, who is 30 now or so, and um, he just sent me a text. He said, hey, my sister and I are getting baptized, and I just want to thank you for all those years that you walked with me, which is another way to say all those years you invested in me. And when I texted him back, it was late, well, late for me, it was 10. Just so you know, when Kim was saying, it's going to be really late at the parenting conference, it ends at 9 o'clock. She's pregnant. She falls asleep at like 8. So I got this text, and I texted him back, and, and the words I wrote down after I wrote them down, that's true. I said it was the best decision I ever made. And every good decision I've made since then is based off of that one decision. And so Jesus is right when he says, you know what, Nathaniel? You think that I'm the son of God because of that. You have so much more to see that you're going to be able to see. It's more than just. So this is what I want to challenge you guys to do. Because there's different people in this room. Some of you have been invited. I don't know. I don't know everybody in this room. But I know some of you, this might be your first time in church in forever. Or maybe you're like Chris, like, oh, I'm trying to get out of something, so I got invited in, I'll go. Or maybe you came because there's some guy or some girl, and you're here because they asked you to come, and you don't really care about being here, you care about them. I'm letting you know that person really cares about you. They genuinely care about your well-being. And if they have a faith, they invited you because they just want you to share the same faith because they care for you. So if anything, I want you to know that someone cares and loves you. And the other thing is there's some of you here that have this faith. And we talked in the beginning about evangelism and sharing this good news. There are people in your mind, and I want to take time to do that. I want you to think of them. I want you to think about the people that you're invested in. You don't need to go make new friends. Think of the people you already know. And I want you to, in the next seven days, invite them to something. You might even have to call some of your friends. Hey, guys, let's just go out. Let's do this together, and I want to invite them. I want them to meet you. And I'm going to say you're my friends from church. So at least they know that's their connection. That's it. Something. It might be inviting them here if you think that this is the right space for them. You might have to create the space. You might have to say, you know what? Let's go mountain biking. In fact, let's do a mountain biking thing at branches once a month. And everyone who has friends that mountain bike, they can take them there. Maybe it's a golf thing. Maybe it's a sewing thing, maybe it's a running thing, maybe it's, I don't know what it is, whatever your thing is, whatever the space is where you have friends and you know they need a space that fits them. You need to create that space if it doesn't already exist. And so in the next seven days, that's your challenge. That's our sole exercise for this Sunday. Figure out who they are. And the other thing is, this is meant to be done. This whole walk with Christ is meant to be done in a community. That's why we say, look, if you're not in a home group, you're not in the church. Because those home groups, that's where it really goes down. This right now is not church. This is not doing life together. This is an audience. You guys are all lined up. When I walked out, it freaked you out. That lets you know right now it's not normal to interact. But in these home groups, that's where real life happens. Some of you might have a group of people. You don't call yourselves a home group, but it's a group. One guy came up to me and said, you know, we need to have a men's group. I've heard this over and over again. Different guys have done different things. Because guys recognize, even guys recognize it. We know girls recognize it, right? 
Like you walk into a coffee house, basically coffee houses were created for female huddles. They're all over. But guys need that also, and they recognize that. And so we have to create that space because that's the way this was meant to be done. This was meant to be done in community. So I'm going to invite the worship team up. Um, if I could, I'm going to ask you all to stand. Now, when we ask you guys to stand, um, the reason is because is we know it's easier to start standing and then sit down than it is to be sitting down and then stand up. And in this worship time, we want to create space for you to pray. In this worship time, we also want to give you space to think of those, those people. Um, I want to give, challenge you to two people that you think of to invest and invite. And it doesn't have to be at branches to anything, but somewhere where they will have the opportunity to come in contact with a living God. Um, so let me pray for us, and then um, we're going to take the offering. The offering will go for those that call branches home, so... Um, do with it what you'd like. If you have those connection cards, it's a great time to drop that in there. Um, let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for the way that you have set things up. I thank you that um, you give us a faith that has substance. I thank you, Father, that, um, that I've seen it time and time again how you've moved and changed lives. How I've seen you uh, take the broken and heal them, how you have uh, transformed families. I can see the fruit of, of those that have walked with you for generations. I can see just how the simple wisdom that you have in your word, when we obey it, turns everything upside down. I think of uh, Andrew inviting Peter. He just was coming to his brotherly love and said, hey, this guy might be the guy. And then those are two of the 12 that are the reason that we're standing here today. Lord, please use us. Use us as the reason for others' lives being more full and more abundant because they know you. What good is it, Lord, if we invite people to church, but they never find you? We want people to find you, Lord. This is not about growing Christianity or churches. This is about you, about our faith and our trust and our hope in you. You make all things new. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.
deep praise, thou my inheritance now. 